0: What I'm going to do is to briefly introduce the psalm to you, and then take three points from it, and then conclude. So, Psalm 22—got the number right. Psalm 22 starts off, "My God, my God, why you, why have you forsaken me?" and that's the title of this morning's talk. Now, this is a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of woe. I don't know if woe, woe, and thrice, woe mean anything to you, but that's where the psalmist is, be it Frankie Howard or not. And about a third of the psalms, believe it or not, are lament psalms. They start off with woe. Woe is me or woe is us. And I appreciate that personally personally because it shows to me that to be in that place is okay. You don't have to deny it. It's there, it is the experience of people who are following God. There are times when you feel forsaken. So this is a lament psalm. But it's a lament psalm with a slight difference I mean, I'll just go over the psalm very quickly. Verses 1 and 2, it's all about me. Why have you forsaken me? I cry, me, me, I, I. And then verses 3 and 5, it's about God. Starting with that word, yet you are holy in verse 3. Yet it was you in verse 9. Okay? And in between those, you've got verses 6 to 8. They're all about me again. So 1 and 2, it's all about me. 3 to 5, it's about God. 6 to 8, it's all about woe is me. And 9 and 10, it's God. But then the psalm changes. 11 to 18, what are my problems? It's really interesting, some of the words here. In verse 14, I am poured out like water. You might say, well, I'm just washed out. That might be a better translation. I am poured out like water. And um, just as a matter of interest, in verse 15, if we can have the first slide, please, thanks. What on earth, well, this is what I thought anyway, what on earth is a pot's herd? Any ideas? I'm surprised it's in that translation, really. In verse 15, my mouth is dried up like a pot's herd. Yeah, go Broken china, that's what's up there, yeah. Literally, pot shards, something like that. So pots are, I mean, I read that, and I thought, what on earth does that mean? So I had to look it up. So that's pretty dry, really. So my mouth is like those pieces of pottery or ceramic or china. Thank you. So verses 11 to 18 are all about my troubles. And then... 19 to 21, and this is where the lions come in. Well, not literally. (laughs) Save me from the mouth of the lion, verse 21. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog, from the horns of wild oxen. It's a pretty big plea for help, isn't it, really? So, 19 to 21, God, please rescue me. And then for the last part of the psalm, it totally changes. Verses 22 to uh, about 26, I will praise you. If you do that for me, I will do this. I will praise you. And then in the last few verses, it goes even wider than that and says, the community will praise you. Future generations will praise you. So you see the flow of the psalm. It starts off with, whoa, whoa, whoa. These are my troubles, and yet I know you, God. Please rescue me, and I will praise you. As a matter of interest, if you turn back a few pages to Psalm 13, I, I feel led to just mention this briefly. Um, there's another lament psalm. And this one starts off three, four times. How long, O Lord? Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? This is a cry of someone who feels pretty distant from God. How long will you hide your face from me? And that's another lament psalm. And that only changes, actually, in the last two verses there. I trust and I will sing to the Lord. And some of us can say, how long, O oh Lord, can, we, can I put up with this? I need your help. And that's a perfectly valid and okay feeling to have. Notice one final point about the psalm itself. How different it is to Psalm 23, the very next psalm. That's a psalm of confidence. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I will lack nothing. I will not want. Wow, isn't that a totally different beginning? And yet, right next to it is this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I do, i said it before, but I do like the psalms, because they are real. People aren't pretending here, they're real, and we can be real too. So that's an overview of the psalm. Now there are three points I want to draw out from it, briefly. The first is, obviously, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, as echoed by Jesus on the cross? But just before he died, he was quoting from this psalm. And I want to reflect on that a little. And I think what I'm going to say next is quite risky. might be quite new. If you find it, you disagree with it, then agree to disagree with it, honestly. But please at least entertain the idea, and we can discuss it afterwards. What I'm trying to do is to illustrate the depth of anguish that Jesus felt on the cross as he said those words, his separation. If we could have the next slide, thanks. What on earth is he going to say next? Imagine triplet boys. Oh, no, no, let's make it girls, to illustrate the point. Because stereotypically, and actually, girls are far more relational than boys are. First risky point, not really. So imagine these triplet girls were born together, grew up in the same family together, went to school together, shared their meals together, knew each other's thoughts before they were thinking them, went to school together, primary school, did even the same subjects, they went to the same secondary school, ended up in the same workplace. These triplets were unusual. They even ended up living together in their 20s. So they were close-knit. They got on so well. And then suddenly, two of them disappeared, leaving the third one. I wonder if that's a bit like what Jesus felt. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there at creation with God the Father. And I personally, another risky statement, have no problem with the Spirit being there at creation as well. The Spirit of God moved across the water. So we have Father, Son and Holy Spirit present at creation. They are living together. They are different aspects of the same being. One in being, they are relational, and they live together, and they know each other. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that helps us to understand Jesus' anguish on the cross. Father, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the obvious point is, why did Jesus do that for you and for me? And that's what the communion is in remembrance of. As a side point, it occurs to me that no mature Christian can therefore be totally independent. Because if we are God-like... We will be in community. God lives in community, three in one, one in three, and that's the way we should be. And that's why, for me, it was great to come in this morning and hear and see the community here assembling. That reflects God and his relation, his way of doing relationships. The other fascinating thing is this God, who is so relational, has his Spirit in me, and in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. Does that sound incredible? That God, by his Spirit, is in you, is in me. It almost sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? But God is in us. And sometimes, I don't know if you have this experience, that spirit within me jumps up and down for joy for no apparent reason that I could see. But something's going on, and I try and be attentive to it. The spirit's jumping up and down a little bit at the moment, actually. But but that's good. And the last last point of this uh, section is a sort of challenge, really. Do you have a preference for each member of the Trinity? Do you have a preference for Father, Son, or Holy Spirit? It was interesting, when I came to faith, in the 70s this was, um, it was all about Jesus being your friend and about the Spirit empowering your life and uh, being part of renewal across denominations, actually, Roman Catholics, Protestants right across the board. And I remember a book was written, and I've never forgotten the title. It said, The Forgotten Father. So I I challenge you, do you think more about Jesus, more about the Holy Spirit, more about God the Father, or all three together? Right, the second point. Can we have the next slide, please? We've had three girls. Ah, let's have three guys, shall we? Let's sort of redress the balance slightly. Now, come on, what are their names? Shout out. Brains Brains on the left. Sorry. Brains. Oh, I'm afraid not. Sorry. The middle one is Virgil. The one on the right, Thunderbird 4... Gordon. (laughs) So he didn't come again. (laughs) Okay, let's have them all then. Number one was Scott, number two was Virgil, three was Alan, four was Gordon, five was John, and there was Brains, and the dad was called (laughs) Mr. Jeff. Right. What on earth he put that up there for? Hmm. Okay. (laughs) their collective name was International Rescue. Embarrassing, yes. Okay. As I've said already, the middle section of the psalm, 19 to 21, is all about rescue, God rescuing you. Now, it occurs to me that when we try and communicate our faith to other people, sometimes we're not very clear about what God has done for us can you, now I don't honestly think because it hasn't happened to me and't been any to you that God has rescued you from lions. I think I'm fairly safe on that, yeah, and i'm probably fairly sure, although I might be wrong because I don't know you, um, that God hasn't rescued you from severe drug addiction or gang warfare, as in Nicky Cruz, Run Baby Run, crossing the switchblade. So, what exactly has God rescued you from? If anything, I want you to be real. For me, when I came to faith, I found God rescued me from me not being the center, me being the center of the universe, of everything revolving around me, my needs, my wants. And when I came to faith, the challenge was to get away from that and to put someone else, Jesus, God, at the center. Well, I'm just going to give you a moment to pause and think, what has God Rescued you from, then I'm going to ask you to actually tell someone, your neighbor, if you can. Not too many lurid details, alright? So, what has God rescued from? Let's pause for a moment. Now, share it with your neighbor. Thank you. If I can draw you back. Um, I don't know if you found that useful or not. It's up to you. Hard. Up to you. <laughs> hard. Hard. Yeah. Actually, sorry, but the best things in life are hard, actually, but never mind. <laughs> big question. Thank you. I take that as a compliment, actually. It is a big question. Yeah. And, and one thing, do you notice, I don't know, St. Mary's, after the service, there are very few people who talk about what's been discussed during the sermon. So don't, don't stop there. Do, um, do, do uh, chat about it afterwards, if you like, over coffee. But only if you want to. All right. The thought, the big question doesn't have to stop there. That's fascinating. So when we know what God has rescued us from, if anything, or what God has done for us, we can then, like the psalmist, communicate it to others. As he said in uh, verse 22, after being rescued, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. So there is a sort of rescue, and then there's a declaration of it, an outflow really good. Now, my last point, which I'm going to turn this around slightly, and um, I'm honestly not saying anything I haven't prepared or don't think that God wants me to say, to turn it around to you and to me and to say, well, is God saying to me in any shape or form, why have you forsaken me? It occurs to me that our love for God is quite up and down, isn't it? It can be quite fickle. And I want to pose the question, do you love God for who he is or for what he does for you? If God never answered your prayers, would you still love him? Sorry, answered your prayers positively. I think all prayers are answered, but some no. Would you still love him because of who he is? Or, and I'm saying this to prepare, because there will come a time, I think for all of us, really, and the Psalms bear this out, where we say prayers, the desperate prayers, and God doesn't seem to answer them positively. And then that causes us to think, well, perhaps he's not there. So I ask the question again, do you love God for who He is or what He has done? Let's go to the next slide, please. So there we are, a couple of people. Notice the defensive posture. Hmm. And the title of this one was called Change, actually. And obviously, this community will continually change hopefully with a new leader shortly. We'll see what God's plans are. But what is our response? Hmm. And in extreme cases, the next slide, please, we could actually react like that. We are happy in our brown mud. Thank you very much. I don't want to go to the foot of the cross embrace it and then move over to the green pasture land on the other side. I'm afraid to conclude, there is no getting away from it. The experience of this psalmist starts at the cross, if you like, Jesus' words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends with eternal praise for God, for future generations, proclaiming his deliverance to a people yet unborn. Sometimes this psalm is called the fifth gospel story of the crucifixion because it starts off with death and it leads to life. So if you're in that place at the moment or in the place at the future. Sorry, can we have the next slide please? Last slide. Dare we believe that through Jesus' suffering and death, dare we hope that we can go From lonely desperation to praise, eternal praise of God. Let's be quiet for a moment.